Welcome to season five of Ways to Love Your Money. I'm Elizabeth Dawson, and today we're focusing on some uh, retirement and summer savings. And we have a great guest, Mr. Mark Willis, who's going to be with us. And I think he's going to give you um, a, a wider perspective, a wider vision on some great planning when it comes to using a concept called bank on yourself. So um, he's very passionate about it. I think you'll enjoy the show. I'm sure you'll have questions about it. So again, stay tuned for the whole episode. So at the end, you can get some questions from our audience and, and kind of get some perspective as to how this all winds together. All right. Right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready to upgrade your relationship with money? We created a free cheat sheet to help you discover the seven hidden costs sabotaging your financial success and what you can do about it. Click the link below to get your free copy. Well, welcome back, everyone. We have Mr. Mark Willis here, and he's going to talk to us about how to bank on yourself and some ideas about financing in this world, as well as some other structures and maybe some hidden time bombs. So again, thank you so much, Mark, for being here. It's a pleasure to have you. And, uh, you know, welcome. Thanks, Elizabeth. Glad to be on your show. Yes. So tell us a little bit about some of these uh, retirement financial time bombs that you talked to me about earlier. Well, you know, there's several baked into the average, oh so average places that most of us keep our cash. Uh, unfortunately, not many of us know that that is a time bomb until it's already too late. Um, one very obvious one is the 401k. Now, the 401k mm -hmm. is the, the grand experiment on all of us. Uh, the first 401ks were issued in 1981, which means which means the 401k is not even old enough to retire yet. That's how new this thing is. What a thought. What a thought. That's, no, that's, a, yeah. great, that's a great point. That's a great point. I do and talk about this in our room. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, the average balance is 275 grand for okay. folks over age 50. Wow. So that's the big experiment that we've mm -hmm. all been going through these last, whatever, 40 years. And has it worked? I would say no. No, not if we, you know, enjoy two ply toilet paper and three meals a day. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, on 275,000 bucks, you're not going to much more than about five, 600 bucks a month of living expenses, you know, um, to last your retirement years. So if you want something that, you know, equip is equivalent to your current lifestyle, we've got to find something other than the 401k. And oh, by the way, back to time bomb, uh, it's taxable in mm -hmm. retirement. So I typically will sit down over the phone or on Zoom and I'll ask clients all across the country of all income amounts, of all you know, uh, uh, various sophistication of their finances. I'll say to them, hey, do you believe taxes are going to go down or up over your lifetime? Right. And, and the, an the, the say, answer is always they think they're going to go up. And especially with the year that we're in right now, we know by the end of the year that we're going to have higher taxes to, to boot. So how do we how do we navigate? How do we navigate? But, yeah, well, I mean, it, it just baffles me that, you know, it, I guess it doesn't really uh, for all the promotion that the 401k has gotten over these last few decades. But it baffles me that we are all in this grand experiment doing something against our beliefs. You know, if our belief is that taxes are going to go up and yet we're putting the vast majority of our retirement savings into something that will be more expensive to access in the future than it is right now. Well, that goes against our beliefs, you know, and that's okay. I get it. You know, I act against my beliefs all the time. You know, I might want a six pack, but I still love ice cream. 
So I still act <laughs> against my beliefs, but that, you know, we have to be honest about the fact that the 401k is not designed for you. It wasn't built by you. It was built by a government that is desperate for cash and they're going to find ways to, to get at it. So, so well, and I, let's dig a little deeper into that topic because the government, financial institutions, big corporations created that strategy. And they created that strategy based on the fact that big corporations wanted to stop paying for pensions. So my bigger concern for people is, do you really know that you are 100% in charge of your retirement? And I love this concept and, and topic about the great experiment because we've all been part of it. And as you just said, it's been around since 1981. You know, it's not even old enough to retire yet. And the average savings in a 401k at $275,000 is definitely not a lot. So um, if you're trying to reproduce, let's say, $100,000 income per year, and keep it up with inflation, how long is that $275,000 gonna last? Not very long. And social security is not gonna get you there. So we believe that taxes are gonna get bigger in the future. They're not gonna get less. And the misnomer that we've been kind of brainwashed to think is when we get into retirement, our taxes are gonna be lower, or we're gonna be in a lower tax bracket. Well, if you're planning for a lower tax bracket, you're planning for failure. I don't know, Mark, do you agree? I agree. I agree. Well, and, and, and by the time you're retired, typically your best tax deductions are gone. All the kids mm -hmm. are out of the house. The mortgage might be mostly paid off. I mean, what do you have left? Most of your charitable deductions and so forth. You're trading volunteer hours for the donation dollars you used to give. So typically you're in a higher or at least equivalent tax bracket. And that's mm -hmm. assumed taxes don't go up. I mean, Elizabeth, if you give the government 20, 30, 40 years to make up their mind on whether they're going to you know, increase their taxes on you, you can bet what they're going to choose, right? I, I kind of liken this to, you know, uh, trick-or-treating. When I was a kid, I was definitely the nerd in the neighborhood. And uh, wow. I can imagine, yeah, that's okay. I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I absorb that. You know, I, I take it as a source of pride now. The most successful but, uh, people yeah. were kind of nerdy. I was a little bit too when I was that's younger. Right. <laughs> that's right. Well, you were the cool nerds. I was the nerds nerd. But uh, um, I... I can imagine, imagine with me, you and I are going trick-or-treating and these couple of bullies show up in front of us and say, hey, kiddo, we're going to take some of that candy. When you get back to your house, you're going to have to give us some of that candy or we're going to beat you up. And you look at them and you say, well, how much are you going to take? And they look at each other and they're like, um, you know what? We're going to vote on that when you get back. And isn't that kind of how the 401k is, right? They haven't voted on how much of your 401k they own yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the truth is, you're a partner with the government in your yep. 401k, and a lot of people don't realize that. Well said, well said. So you have some solutions, and we were talking about, um, you know, everyone finances their way through life. Um, so I'd love for you to elaborate on that, and then how we can possibly dovetail into the conversation about how can we be our own bank? How is yeah. the concept of how we become our own bank? So I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner and there's, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of, you know, parking spots for your money. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, all of them make your money do different things. So the very first and most important thing to say here is spend some time uh, during or after this podcast episode to think about what you want your money doing for you. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, the best part, I mean, what I love about your show is you, you en engage people. Uh, in a way that helps them know, get clear on what they want their money doing for them, Elizabeth. So way to go. Good on you for that. Oh, thank um, you. 
I think for, for me anyway, one of the best uh, kept secrets in the financial universe, if I can say it that way, is, is, a, is a way you can become the banker in your life. Um, you know, I honestly don't care if your brokerage account got 6% or 8% last year. If you're spending, like most Americans, uh, interest in the realm of 30% of your income, and that's the average. According to the U.S. Commerce Bureau, the average American spends over a third of his, her, his or her income just financing their debts, mortgages, mm-hmm. car loans, mm-hmm. student loans. And even if you pay cash for things, even if you're beating the, the debt project by just paying cash for everything you buy, guys, the truth is you finance everything you buy. Either you pay interest to a banker or you pay cash and you pass up interest you could have earned on the money had you just mm-hmm. left it invested, right? So we're always trapped on this kind of this kind of horizontal line of the of the horizon of net zero. Net zero is our horizon line, right? But the idea of being your own banker, of bank on yourself is what if you could, you know, literally bank on yourself? What if you could become your own source of financing, pay yourself an interest like the banks are currently charging you, you can absolutely beat the financing rackets. You can beat even paying cash for things when you are your own banker. When you're sitting on the right side of the banker's desk, everything else becomes easier. Well, tell us a little bit more about the bank on yourself concept. What are you doing? How are you um, migrating people through becoming financially independent, financially fulfilled and, and protected? What, what, what's the process? Yeah, it's a cool concept to think like a banker, to to uh, understand that you can control the banking function in your life. But we also need to bring it down the ladder to some actual financial vehicles. And Elizabeth, I know you handle and work with clients to do exactly this. But but the concept of bank on yourself is awesome. But we need a tool, you know, mm-hmm. to to implement. And I don't exactly have a hundred million bucks to go start an FDIC insured bank. So what can I do to bank on myself, right? I don't have a bank charter, so what can we do instead? One of the interesting financial tools that I'm familiar with is something called a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. And Mm -hmm. unlike unlike the kind that we may have heard on on certain radio shows um, by uh, certain radio gurus, uh, this is categorically different than the kind of whole life insurance that we may have heard about on those radio shows. Uh, It's more for the cash accumulation. It's building up some wealth in the policy, the life insurance policy. I don't mm-hmm. have to die to, to get access to the money in my policy, right. thank goodness. Uh, and the policy does a couple of things really well. It grows on a guaranteed basis every single year, no matter what's happening in the stock market. Right. Sec- second, it's accessible to me for any reason. I can send my daughter to college with this money, or I can invest in real estate, or the stock market if I chose, or I could pay off an old student loan or whatever else, right? Uh, third, it's tax-free when I get the money out. Under current law, both principal and gains can be accessed with no taxes due, much like a Roth IRA, but without all the red tape of Roth IRAs. Uh, so that's three reasons to have it. Of course, I guess the fourth is it is life insurance. So it's covering that base for our family as well. So that's that's it briefly. We can, I guess, talk deeper about how we can borrow and use it like a bank, if you'd like, Elizabeth. But that's how whole life insurance, the bank on yourself way, is designed. It's a long-term concept where whole life insurance is a tool. There's many tools in the toolbox, but it's all the things that people are looking for. So what I'm hearing from you, Mark, is 
We want to have liquidity. We want to have a death benefit for protection for our family along the way. But in the future, we want to be able to use that cash. Am I hearing you right? And we want to use that cash tax-free. And possibly in the future, could we use it to supplement retirement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all those things. It, uh, forgive the pun, but it's kind of a whole life solution. <laughs> I love uh, it. Because... I love it. Whole life solution. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a da dad jokes abound here. So, uh, <laughs> but it, it, you, get, you really get a sense. When I look at my annual statements on my policies that I currently have, and my wife has, and my daughter has, it's interesting because I know on a guaranteed basis exactly what my minimum net worth will be this year, next year, the next year, and every point along the way, all the way up through retirement. I know precisely with, with uh, guarantees built in how much I can take out of this policy with no taxes due. I mean, doesn't that begin to sound a little like a financial plan? It sounds you know? a lot like a financial plan. It sounds like a yeah. great tool in the financial planning process. Can, could we do anything like this with uh, real estate or stocks? I mean, yeah, we have historical data and Monte Carlo scenarios. And, and obviously, you're going to be bored to tears with whole life insurance returns as it relates to some of these other assets. So I don't just tell everybody to just run out and cash all their chips in to go buy a whole life policy. It's meant to be the cash equivalent in your portfolio. You know, it's a good, modest, middle single digit return uh, with you know, no assets under management fees, no taxes due on it, but it's going to bore us to tears if we only care about rates of return. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be a steady, predictable increase in our, and you know, it's like the plotting, you know, marathoner versus the sprint. Uh, so that's kind of that's well, kind and of it's it's work. a complementing tool. I mean, even from the traditional stance of financial planning, which we're very non-traditional types of planners, but um, it's the foundation that's getting set first. So it's the foundation that you're putting together before you're bringing in the other investments, the other mm -hmm. speculation or the real estate or other business ideas and passive income. Am I hearing you right? Well, and I'll even say this, choosing whole life insurance the way we're describing this does not mean sacrifice return. And here's, here's a quick case study on what I mean by that. There's a gentleman who um, he had about, at that time, he had about uh, $350,000 in one of his policies. So right there, that, that surprises some folks. How could you have $350,000 of cash value in a boring old whole life policy? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just buy term and invest the rest? Well, what he did, uh, you know, in the midst of the great, you know, this was back in 2008 and nine, uh, in the midst of the great recession, when banks weren't lending, he borrowed out $350,000 against his life insurance and he mm -hmm. used that to go buy a bunch of real estate. He flipped about 22 properties over the next several years, okay? And meanwhile, his policy itself, the policy continued to grow as if he had not touched the money, mm -hmm. which is a jaw-dropping concept. But his mm -hmm. policy grew about $120,000 over the next five years without him paying a penny into it on its own. And he had the you know, 22 properties that he had bought and flipped and bought and flipped using that cash over the next several years as house prices were collapsing and banks weren't lending. He was buying houses at 50, even 80% off. This is up in Michigan. Uh, mm -hmm. So the power there was he got an incredible ROI on his real estate business and his policy on its own grew another 120 grand by itself over five years. I mean, that to me is a winning combination. It's like, oh, it's like, Thelma and Louise, it's like, you know, nitro and glycerin. They, they just work better together. Peanut butter and jelly, you know, they work great together. So, <laughs> I love it. I think, 
I think these are concepts that um, so many people that we've talked to over the years, they understand that. But at the same time, the average consumer doesn't know because they're being told that, oh, no, buy term insurance, invest the difference in the market. Oh, you're going to now it's probably even, you know, uh, uh, digital currency or something like this. And, you know, we, we're forgetting, again, the, the consistency of the foundation that we need to actually provide for ourselves. So is this right for everyone or is it right for just certain people? I love the conversations that I have with folks that are looking to have more control over their life. If I hear the words, do it for me, I usually run in the other direction, you know, um, because if someone's wanting to offload their financial responsibility to an advisor, that's not a good sign. Um, You know, no one should care more about your money than you do. So I'd say it's not really a good fit for people who, you know, are, are wanting to just fit in with the crowd, you know, Um, I'd also say if you can't save, if you're living beyond your means, you have to put money into a whole life policy. It takes capitalization. If you think about it, Elizabeth, you know, a bank doesn't open its doors unless they've been able to capitalize, you know, you've got to have money in the vault. Same with these policies, even if it's just a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, Mm -hmm. we've got folks doing a couple hundred bucks a month. We've got folks doing seven figures a year into these policies and everything in between. So I'd say if you can't save, just start with a budget first or get some term insurance. There's nothing wrong with that for a time. Um, uh, It's also not going to work well if all you care about is rate of return, because again, the policy will bore you to tears. Um, There are some insurance costs in the first few years. So, you know, if you need every last penny right now, you know, for Saturday night, you know, whatever, then you probably Mm -hmm. should just keep a savings account and don't get a policy. Uh, this is a long-term, as you understand, this is a long-term financial vehicle. Uh, and first couple of years, there are some insurance expenses to set up the policy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, usually around year four, it starts to increase beyond your annual contributions, but it still mm-hmm. does take some time to, to break even dollar for dollar. Yeah. Well, I think there's the peace of mind to have the protection, but at the same time, you know, in the future, you're going to have some opportunity for liquidity. I love the case study that you just talked about, about the gentleman that um, leveraged his policy to be able to purchase real estate. I think that's phenomenal. Um, it goes back to a story that I know of too, that uh, uh, when Walt Disney wanted to buy the land that that Disneyland sits on today, he couldn't get financing. And so early on in my career, they had talked about this and said, well, the way he financed the land to purchase it was from borrowing from his whole life insurance contracts way back when. So if it's worked for Walt Disney and now it's Disneyland as we know it today, and that was kind of like the leapfrog to that that uh, that that step by step stone stepping, uh, that's a powerful piece. But um, you know, Mark, I know that you're an author as well. I know we're getting close on time. Tell us a little bit about the three books that you've got. Well, we um, we've got several books, but you know, the secret to writing successful books is to find great co-authors. And just to write on their coattails. So every one of the books that I wrote uh, is co-authored with someone wonderful who, you know, has a specialty of their own right. Uh, we wrote a book called How to Be an Amazon Legend and Fire Your Banker, uh, which okay. really speaks to people who have e-commerce businesses. I wrote a book okay. called, uh, co-authored a book with Monica Sawyer, who's there in California. She wrote uh, with me, uh, Real Estate Investing for Women. So you can tell mm-hmm. right there, I wasn't the only author on that book. Uh, um, and, uh, but, but we really focus on how bank on yourself type policies can be used for real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we've, we've wrote a book with about a dozen other financial professionals, all of whom are bank on yourself professionals. Uh, and the book is called the secret to lifetime financial security. Uh, but 
that brings up a good point, and I'll, I'll briefly mention, you don't just want to work with any life insurance agent uh, to set up a policy like this. There's what, I mean, Elizabeth, you might know, there's like 400,000 life insurance agents in the United States, and not all of them know how to design the policies properly. So I'd, I'd highly recommend you work with someone who's got explicit training on this strategy. Uh, and the people in the book I co-authored the book with all have gone through some extra training on this process to make sure the policy is designed correctly. I've met people mm -hmm. who thought they had something like this and it mm -hmm. turned out it was absolutely riddled with fees or commissions and or the tax advantages were missing. So you really wanna make sure kind of like, oh, kind of like an elevator. You wanna get in that elevator, make sure that it's engineered properly before you hit that yeah. button. Well, it's a big concept to understand. So education is a must. Um, I yeah. think that, uh, you know, being authors of books and an educational material that helps people do their due diligence to understand what they're doing. So uh, what about one last fun fact? What about a fun fact about you? Is there anything that you want to share with our listeners about you and about what you do? And, and maybe if they want to find more information out? Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a daughter of a five-year-old. Uh, I'm, I'm the father of You're a five-year-old daughter. You're not the daughter. <laughs> I hope not. Special, <laughs> yeah. um, do you want to go here? So yeah, I'm the father of a five-year-old daughter and she and I love finding little animal bugs in our backyard. Yesterday, she found her first caterpillar. And so we're learning about transformation and cocoons. And, you know, it's it's just one more reason, I think, again, to make a hard right turn into finances. You know, mm -hmm. if you knew as a caterpillar that one day you'd be a butterfly and it was already pre-written into your DNA, you know, you could sleep well at night. You wouldn't be stressing about this big upcoming transformation. And I think the same is true with our money. If we have no idea what our future value of our retirement account is going to be, it builds a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress into our right. life. Sure. Uh, so if you have your contract written before you even begin with your future, you know, where you're, you're predetermined, you know, it's already written into your contract. Here's exactly what it's going to be on the, such and such a date. You know, you can kind of rest, rest and relax a little bit, which is, you know, gives you more time to play in the backyard with your five-year-old or, or whoever. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being here today. I think it's a, it's a, just a wide perspective of some information that most people don't necessarily understand or even hear about. So I'm uh, grateful for your education for our consumers here that are listening and our listeners that are watching the show as well. So um, again, thank you so much. Thank you for being an educator out there. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. And uh, if, if it's okay, I'll just mention briefly, folks, if you want to hear more about this, Not Your Average Strategy, listen to the um, podcast, Not Your Average Financial Podcast. That's our show, Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And you can kind of dig a little deeper into this. And lastly, make sure to leave Elizabeth a five-star review. She works hard on this podcast and I know she would love it. I know everyone working on her show would love five-star reviews and make sure to subscribe to her show so you don't miss an episode. Well, thank you so much, Mark. We love all the kudos and we love our fans being supportive as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and we'll finish up the show with some questions from the audience. Have you gotten a copy of our book yet? If you haven't, Wealth by Design is available on our website, Elizabeth with an S, Dawson.com. We'd love for you to get a copy today. Well, I think Mark gave us a completely different perspective as using a tool, something called whole life insurance that I think is powerful. 
we have used that in our practice and it's something where uh, it's not for everyone, but it is a long-term strategy. But the flexibility that it gives you without penalties or taxes, if it's done right, is amazing. Uh, I think that you should probably check out his podcast as well. And if you have any questions or need bigger perspective, please reach out and give us a call and we'll we'll have that conversation with you at 619-640-2622. We do have an audience question and that audience question is, is I just paid off all my credit card debt. How do I make sure I stay out of debt? Well, don't use your credit cards. <laughs> Here's the biggest concern that we have for people because we have been in a society for so long that is on credit. Uh, you could buy a couch on credit. You can buy, literally, my son was looking at a baseball hat yesterday for $7.99 a month for four interest repayments. Don't buy on credit. That is one of the biggest misnomers that people think that they have to use and establish credit so that they can build credit. It's not necessarily the true answer. Whenever you go get a car, you get credit and financing, student loans. When you also look at uh, phone, um, if you want to purchase a new phone and you're on their monthly plan, all those payments are showing up on your credit score. So the main thing here is how do you stay out of debt? Don't live beyond your means. It's time for some cash flow planning. We call it a budget analysis. Look and see what you're actually spending. What do you have to have? What do you don't have to have? And where can you find the money so that you're not over expensing your lifestyle and expenses? So if you don't have enough money to pay your bills each and every month to accomplish your goals, then you need to reduce your spending. And how are you going to reduce your spending? It's going to be on things that are not as important. The sacrifices that you make today are going to pay off later, but they're all going to make sense. If you're not saving even from the beginning, at least 10%, 15%, I've even heard 30% of your paycheck, your gross paycheck, not your net. If you save and you pay yourself first and you have that for long-term savings plans, you're going to be in a much better position than any of your peers or even when you get closer to retirement or at retirement. Be a saver or be like Katie, who's not on the show today, but she talks about saving half of the money she earns. And she's been doing that since she's a small child. Teach these pieces to your children. Your children need to know about the relationship with money as well. What are you doing to have a better relationship with money? Let's not overexpend our lifestyle just because we want something today. And then a year from now, not remember exactly what we spent that money on. If you really want to get out of credit card debt, it is a conscious decision to change the way you spend. Hopefully this was a helpful tip and we'll be back again next week with another show. Uh, if you have any questions for Mark or for myself, please reach out to 619-640-2622. If you have some questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, email us at questions with an S at Elizabeth with an S Dawson.com. Take care. We'll be back again next week. Hope you have a blessed week. Bye-bye. information provided in this show is for informational and educational purposes only. This show is not investment advice, nor is it intended to address the financial needs of any particular viewer. The opinions expressed on this show are not intended to be an endorsement of any particular investment strategy or service of any other kind. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned throughout the show. Before acting on information in this show, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular situation and strongly consider seeking advice 
from a financial advisor.